You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. Good morning, and welcome to the Saturday Morning morning. D&D Show on this uh, pre-Valentine's Day episode. I, my name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Sir Lucian with no silent letters in the middle. Mm-mm. Here to help out, kind of balance things out. Louis, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's That's all in there. Lu- Lucian. It's how you pronounce the C's. Those are the hard <laughs> ones. Yeah. I'm always a fan of the languages that get rid of uh, C's because... A C is liter. It's always a K or an S, so you yeah. could just replace it. But that's and it's, it, basically it's not its own, right? It's like no, some yeah. Other there's letter, there's no there's no C sound. It's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. K or an S. <laughs> yeah. So the poor you don't need it. You don't need it. Welcome to talking about alphabets. I bet you guys weren't I'll, ready for that. The alphabets <laughs> of the morning. Let's Sa- check in with uh, alphabet chopper Dave. We've got letters <laughs> in the sky. Um, yeah, uh, we're a D&D talk show. We're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons things. Not a lot going on in the world, but I we always seem no, to find something slow. to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, first of all, how are you, sir? I am uh, pretty good. There's there's a lot of talk of how cold and snowy it is right now for you. Is that bad? Yeah, Michigan's cold and snowy. And uh, so we're into that winter and we're into the staying in the house and not going and doing much. So we're waiting for April because at least it's cold and rainy versus cold and snowy. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a couple of months to just hang out in our, our caves like uh, the hibernating bears of the north. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, and we've been doing that for two years because of COVID. So it's really kind of lengthening that whole thing out. I'm ready oh, to go yeah. back outside and see the sunshine and enjoy the grass and the, the warmth. I know. I want to throw a Frisbee so bad. Yeah. And go. I'm not a Frisbee guy. but I Let your kid go out and play in the kid pool, you know, that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we do. We've been doing summer movie nights and oh. uh, it was mildly successful last year. Um, and we like, you know, distance and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. uh, news caught on and people are missing it. And now everyone's like, well, when are we going to start doing that? And I'm like, well, maybe when it's not really cold outside, (laughs) but, uh, it was encouraging that a lot of our friends were excited to start up, uh, backyard movie nights again. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, I got to live in a better climate like you do. I was just a little bit, uh, yeah, well do it. I think it's, what is it? 28 here right now? 22. (laughs) Okay. 22 degrees. So your your degrees can drink. They're just old enough. Yeah. Um, yeah you can freeze it out there. <laughs> you don't need funny. a cooler. Yeah, it's been in right the day. We always talk about the weather. We used to, you guys, it's and I blame chat because chat's always just like, "What's yeah. going on? How cold is it? Degrees in Celsius? <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, back to Dungeons and Dragons. Like I said, uh, I we'll, we'll we'll we always find something to talk about. But first of all, we're going to talk about Vox Machina. Apparently, <clears throat> so. I I simply asked, uh, or in our notes here, I was like, "Hey, yeah, did yeah. you did you finish watching Vox Machina?" And I I caught up to last week's episode, but not this week's episodes. So I'm a behind again by three. Episodes. I am also behind again, so I'm only right where you are. Right so with, with the, the tree, six? like the the big giant yeah. tree. Okay, yeah. So that's where I yeah. stopped, and that that was creepy. And I was yeah. like, "Oh man!" And somebody did point out in our um, comments on the YouTube show on the mm-hmm. YouTube comments that they they listed the Kickstarter funding for this. And so mm-hmm. the first two episodes were, here is level seven Vox Machina, like being, like here's a quick intro. And then the rest of the episodes were all this uh, arc that we're doing right now with the- The, the Briar ones. The, yeah, yeah. So- Okay. All the, so season one will conclude- this whole little story arc, which I kind of like. And I was like, okay, so um, this was all very well known that they were going to rehash a story from season one of Critical Role um, into the animated series. Like, that's what that's what people paid for. So I'm really curious where season, oh. or uh, yeah, season two of Vox Machina is going to go. If they're going to do original stories or if they're going to um, stay to the stories that they came up with 
uh, going, yeah, from the from the original like tabletop run of the show. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and at what point does the Vox Machina just stay Vox Machina and never they never ever touch like when they go to Campaign Two and the Mighty Nine or the Campaign Three with the new group? Is yeah. that are they just always going to stay with that group of characters? See, and I was thinking it's going to be Vox Machina because it's literally called Vox Machina. Or are yeah. they going to create a second series called Critical Role, the Legend of the Mighty Nine, and go right. in that direction, you know? Yeah. Because so. who wouldn't... I mean, we want to see an animated jester. Come on. Yeah. Um, for sure. No, so yeah, I haven't seen the the next three, and then um, that'll probably be like tonight. I'll, I'll end up watching them. And I felt like... I mean, you, you hadn't watched them last week, so when we talked about it, you were waiting... How do you feel about the episodes? Now, I felt like as everyone moved on, it got stronger, 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 stronger. I liked it more and more and more. Yeah, I agree. I liked it where more. Where I could tell yeah. the first one or two, like if I went back, I'd be like, I don't like these hardly at all. But by three, four, five, six, I was really, st- it started to bring me in more. And you know what it is? I think it's that there's a villain and mm. I really like the villain. And so when yeah. I, I like a villain and I'm just like, and then I, and then I start rooting for the play, the heroes because I'm like you guys got to take this guy down, and yeah. the first one was literally like let's just go fight a dragon kind of a thing, uh, right. which is a great intro to D and D kind of thing. Uh, but now there's you know a, an, an antagonist, and we're we're <laughs> figuring out that he's really oh, and they're evil. Like I was like this is really cool, and yeah. actually showing up in that city with the tree and how it's like drastically changed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about it. I think it's awesome. And I, I'm yeah. really curious as to where it's going to go. So, yep. yep. And it's so kind of fun not knowing season one of, <laughs> of Critical Role. So I just get to experience this. And I like that a lot. Yeah. So, so who's your favorite character out now that you've seen six episodes? Has it changed or is it still your favorite character is still the same from the first episode? I think it's still Grog just because he like, I like, I like his, he's serious when he needs to be, but it's just that, that fun I don't know. Comic relief in the background. Yeah, I was totally digging Percy for sure. Now, um, I'm really liking that character and to see where it's going to go and how it how it could or will evolve. Um, it got me thinking cool. about Record of the Lotus War. I don't know if you ever saw that yeah. anime. Yeah. Um, but that anime right. was a response to Dungeons and Dragons in America, and mm-hmm. these Japanese. Um, animators were like this is really cool we should make a show so they kind of took the idea of D and made it their own and elves mm-hmm. are really different in that one it's really cool but i get a cool vibe like that when i watch this and i it actually made me start like digging around the internet for the old record of the lotus yeah. war show because i'm like i want to rewatch that now and see if it was as show, good as i remember <laughs> yeah that show i believe still has the best dragon fight i've ever seen a, a group of adventurers fighting a dragon in the Lotus Wars was the best. I had never seen anybody do it better than that yet. And again, I should be like you. It might be nostalgia that makes me think that, but it was so good the way you know the their dwarf was very much a you know a dwarf fighter kind of guy, and the elf yeah. was the you know very el- it was very first edition D and D ish. You know, yeah. the elf was the elf, the dwarf was the dwarf, yep. and then you had the other play you know the other people. And uh, I liked it. I really did like it. I wonder where you can find that these days. I don't know. Um, Lotus Wars. And I just noticed there's a new game on Steam about Deedlit, the elf from Record of the Lotus War. And it's like a it's a 2D Metroidvania kind of game. But I was like, is this still relevant? Like, (laughs) that came out, like, I think that came out in the 80s. Like, I'm pretty sure. And then I I, saw it on VHS tape. I'm pretty sure. I saw it on VHS. So I was like, I I don't know. Um, But I, I really... You got to you got to be careful about that anime though because or nostalgia I should say because oh, yeah. I loved Gundam Wing growing up and I was like I'm going to rewatch Gundam Wing and I did and that is one of I mean the writing it's so bad, <laughs> it's so bad. I have such fond memories of that being like the 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 pinnacle of uh storytelling and yeah. boy was I wrong like You know what it was yeah. for me uh, Thundercats. Oh, I, went, well, yeah. I was like, I, I loved it as a kid. I, I, best thing ever. 
Thundercats, Transformers. And all you have of memories of how Joe. great it is. And then you yeah. rewatch it and you're like, this is I went is back awful. and rewatched it and I thought, oh my God, what is going on here? This is so bad. I mean, I love the visuals and I still love the action. Oh, yeah. But the whole Mumra's, you know, monologues and, oh, it was so terrible now to try to watch it again. But uh, you're right. Nostalgia can be a little tricky, so be careful. Okay. But I think Lotus Wars might hold up. It might, it, because. It's one of those surprise you didn't know what it was going to be when you watched it. Because if you read that title, you're not even sure what you're getting at that point. You're not going into it thinking, wait a minute, this is a Dungeons and Dragons story, you know, all of a sudden. So it's actually, I thought it was pretty good. And I think you guys can tell me, for those of you that watched it recently or about to watch it after the show, if it's got the best dragon fight scene you've ever seen in it. I liked it a lot. Ah, liked it a lot. Watch it. But going back to. Um, Vox Machina so then all, the only thing I saw on Twitter then all of a sudden was once you know Kotaku writes a, an article that definitely gets the whole community talking quite a bit and that had a lot of kind of you would imagine all the different groups so you have the the diehard critical role people who well, you know, backing up there I want to say this the critical role did a very uh, commentary uh, critique of the latest season of critical role um yeah so we will link that here in a little bit but continue so that people know yeah. that what we're talking about <laughs> yeah and so there's definitely a group of people well and i'm just thinking i'm just trying to describe what was going on on twitter as, as much you guys i'm sure can find it on twitter because it's all over it it was at the beginning of the week i didn't see much of it towards the end of the week but it was you know there's the group of critical role fans that will defend it to its dying breath and mm-hmm. And they can do it eloquently. They can do it, you know, with a lot of thought into it. Then there's the group that's always hating on the critical role because there's always that group that just doesn't like the success of critical role and who they are and didn't like that they have the popularity or they're the ones that have been given the kind of the mantle of making D&D popular. There's a, there's a big group of people out there that just, you know, will always kind of post stuff that's negative about them they you know there's always so you got that group and then you got the group who are reading this article and you know you got both sides of a right or wrong on how the article's written and it's really just written on you know how their campaign was set in a south asian southeast asian kind of setting and that's the marquette one correct the marquette one yeah yeah. with that we're getting the new source book for so right so you know and then i kind of felt the one thing i that i read in the article that really kind of I thought was disingenuous or I thought was a little bit off is that they kind of make Robbie a token kind of person or character to that whole thing. And I thought that was really kind of disrespectful to Robbie. I think Robbie is a, seems to me to be like a pretty full cast member, but I did start going over to their website and I was looking at their YouTube channel and I was going back and looking at the videos and stuff. You don't see him advertised very much within their stuff as much as he's, a main cast character in campaign three. Um, that kind of surprises me that um, it's still, yeah, most I thought of they were shots. rotating people because, Oh, I just thought they were rotating people. So I didn't know that this particular character was well, Robbie's been constant. there the whole time. Yeah. No, nothing so. has ever mentioned in, that I've seen has mentioned him as a guest, but in the article, they treat him like that. Like he's just a guest. Mm. He's just there, but really it's still this group. So I don't know. I'm, I didn't bring the article up to have me and, um, Jordan try to pick a side or you know or any of that kind of stuff I just know it was out there and people were talking about it mm-hmm. you can go out and read it and make your own opinions because I'm sure everybody will have an opinion on it um, it did when I was reading it, it made me think though Jordan did a campaign with his home group that was in the desert obviously had a pyramid in it so I'm going to go pretty Egyptian themed when you describe it was Middle stuff. Eastern themed like it was Middle Eastern Al-Kadim. themed yeah. Yeah. I used a lot of Al-Kadim which is yeah. the Middle Eastern fantasy of the Forgotten Realms so right and it just made me think that if the article if you take the article at face value that you know maybe it's not right to do those kinds of stories I started thinking about man what kind of D&D story can I do if you're not going to try to find a lost civilization or if you're not trying to go somewhere you don't already live in, because that's what Dungeons and Dragons is, right? You're a farmer or you're some dude that just decides, I'm going to be an adventurer and I'm going to go somewhere else and explore and adventure and find things and become more powerful and do more stuff. 
you know, we're not telling stories about growing up in the same hamlet where, you know, my family's been a potato farmer for the whole time. And that's, that's my story, you know, that's just, so it kind of made me think, what kind of stories would you tell if you didn't go to these far off places and you didn't go to exotic lands and you didn't try to do stuff? I think it would be a very, I don't know what else you would do, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting article. Uh, It was written by Jenna Yao and, uh, it's a critique, so it's it's an opinion piece. Um, yeah. But what they're doing is they're she's really critiquing um, the fact that we have all of these white cast members and they're embracing the colonialist uh, outfits and and like uh, uh, stereotypical things, so like pith helmets and uh, uh, that that stereotypical and i always think of that stereotypical like british colonialist who's uh mm-hmm. un- like the mummy you know they're uncovering uh pyramids the archaeologist the archaeologist the... kind of a thing um and i i you know i take it as this and that like oh it's kind of like an indiana jones thing but she's saying like you could look at it like that but really you know it's disenfranchising to this and this um and who am i to say if it is or isn't the but the article i Going back on what you said, where certain things just get really popular. And when they get really popular, people like to tear it down or things like that. And so you have Critical Role that is doing very, very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And something I agreed with the article is, is that these people are advertising themselves as... Uh, I'm I'm exactly like you, Lucian. I play games at a table. I roll dice. We're the same. Like, we could hang out. The only difference that is behind the scenes is that I'm a multi-million dollar like wealthy person and you're like Lucian in Michigan. So <laughs> like and so there she was trying to to uh get that point across I think where it's like these people aren't your friends and we need to be critical of what they're doing. But now on that side of being critical, like they've hired consultants like uh uh, uh I forget the word. What is it called? It's like that uh, literate like artistic consultants and stuff yeah (laughs) um the ones who step in to be like hey this is not okay or this is okay uh and i was like what more do you want them to do in a way and is it it's not is it wrong to like and like you were saying like what kind of stories you're going to tell but like is it that wrong to just be like i have an explorer's got you know like outfit I have a pith helmet. And it's like, well, you shouldn't really be wearing that because it represents this. Um, and I, I don't know. So I see both sides of it. But, like, I felt this was really critical and a stretch. Like, they were really trying to make uh, Critical Role bad. But maybe what they were trying to do instead is actually bring our attention to it, which uh, good mm-hmm. job. Jenna Yao, you did, and mm-hmm. I, my attention is brought, and, and I'm thinking about it now, and we're having a discussion, yeah. and maybe that's the whole point of this, not yeah. to necessarily stop critical role or like cancel culture critical role or all that other stuff that people are up in arms right now, but instead just to have a earnest conversation about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It was it was interesting because I I don't know. I just don't like they're they're not poking fun at anything they're not using stereotypes they just kind of wanted to be these 1920s explorers for their opening scene of the of the new Marquette. Mm-hmm. it does make me curious how the new book is going to be represented when it comes from wizards of the coast because i know they hire a lot of um a lot of those same consultants to like make sure that their books are are okay and not like super offensive because a lot of times you don't know that you're like, Oh, I just wanted to throw this in. They're like, Oh, actually that has a strong religious backing for this. And it's, we don't actually make fun of that. And you're like, Oh, okay. Then I won't do that. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's, this isn't the first Sensitivity time. Consultants. I think, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is the first, they've been criticized in the past that they're an all white cast before. Also it's been brought up before because of their, once you become that popular and then that's, you're you're looked at in a critical way at that point you know i guess they're called critical role so you look at them in a critical way and yeah so they've had to deal with that and i feel like they're some of the most you know they're they're la voice actors they're as deep into the left leaning group as you can possibly be i feel like they've been the most inclusive group i've ever seen 
back when they were on, you know, um, even just doing their shows or with Geek and Sundry, we're always super inclusive. It's just that whole L.A. scene is like that. And uh, so it seems interesting that there's, you know, they're still going after even a group like that, even a group that does tons of charities, even a group that does, you know, all this stuff. Um, they still, you know, you can still get criticized. Well, People it's can not still even, look at you critically. Yeah. It's not even like, I don't think they're going after it so much as like an article like this is going to get circulated and it's going to bring revenue for Kotaku. So I'm sure Kotaku read it and said, yep, that's toe in the line where we're going to point, you know, and then all of a sudden people who disagree with it, I see clickbait so much on (laughs) YouTube. um, And it's, it's really difficult to not think I could release a video. That's like a little controversial at a little this, and it's going to skyrocket. Um, or I could do like a fun regular lore video, blah, blah, blah. And it like gets an average amount of views. It's because yeah. stuff like this gets people riled up. It's the whole state of why we're in the world we are to now today with Facebook and politics. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. Jordan's next video. Why Dungeons and Dragons is dead. Clickbait. <laughs> well, and then you put not clickbait because then people yeah. are even more going to click on it. So right. I don't, I don't think this was a cash Play grab article by any means. I think like the, the author was very uh, genuine about like her feelings mm-hmm. about it and she has good points. Um, but you know, you start throwing stuff like, well, what do you think so. about then Matt doing accents? Well, that gets a whole, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Like if we're not, if we're not allowed to wear uh, costumes like this, or if you're not allowed to do this, uh, and I shouldn't say not allowed, but if it's not um, really appropriate, if you're offensive, yeah. if it's being offensive, if that's what we're and saying so, is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't, that. I don't have the answer, you know, like, yeah. Uh, but it makes me sad because there is a lot of critique for D and D being just British Arthurian legend kind of world like the sword coast is like that and stuff Mm -hmm. and then you branch out into other cultures and it's like oh no no you're doing that wrong and i'm like but you don't want us to like like i don't want to play just in arthurian legend king of camelot kind of world i would like to explore this jungle or this other place uh so i I, but critical role can't say we're gonna do uh, a series in marquette and I'm going to replace the whole cast with people that like are more familiar with the type of uh, culture that I'm trying to represent. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you don't have the original cast and the whole thing falls apart and nobody's watching. Uh, so I, yeah. you know, I'm like, I just don't know. Yeah. I don't think that there's an answer to what the author is proposing here. Yeah. Like, Cause that, that like, was, there's my no, one there's no answer that you want. So it's like, that's why I said, she wants us to be critical of it and to like look at it and have this discussion. Well, good job you did that, but like I don't I don't have the answer because they are a company that's out to make money. And so yeah. if you're but not they're, if they're, they're not also, out to make money, then we can do lots of different things. But <laughs> their whole thing is we are a group of friends who play Dungeons and Dragons. That is what we are. So we're always gonna be a group of friends. No matter what this show ever would be, it's always gonna be a group of friends plays this. Right. Even if they had started the show as a group of friends plays Monopoly and the show blew up and everybody loves Monopoly. Monopoly is the biggest game out there and everybody's playing it. Then the show based that Amazon would have bought would have been the Monopoly show. It's a group of friends playing Monopoly. There's nothing really else they can do there. They're not Netflix or, you know, a casting studio or HBO Max where they can decide and do true casting and try to actually get characters and stuff. they're just well no, no that's my point is they could they could <laughs> do all of that friends. but i don't want to see those people i want to see matt mercer be a dm like that's my point you right know? and i want to see him dm his friends yeah it, no exactly so yeah, you yeah. don't want to see him with a bunch of strangers i don't want a bunch of yeah i don't want the cast you know and so yeah they're not making a movie in that show yes they've made an animated <laughs> of those characters of those stories but they're not making they're they're letting us watch them play a game. So just like Twitch is somebody's playing a video game or somebody's doing something, that's an entertainment where you're letting them watch you do something. That's what you're going to do. To me, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like you're making a movie or a TV show like all these big companies do. That I yeah. think that's different. The, draw the critique is not... she's putting on them is a big company critique. Like, why doesn't Universal Studios do this? Why didn't 
they make you know the tomb king why wasn't that an egyptian action you know actors for you know that kind of stuff and that you can level against them that's a, a correct critique i think that critique is what got moved to critical role and it wasn't quite apples and apples it's almost it's it's close but it's not not quite so uh, i think that's what was running through my yeah head. no i agree because the draw for critical role are those cast members yes um and i'm gonna i'm gonna whip flip this back around to they tried they tried to re- or they remade ghost in the shell um and scarlett oh. johansson played major who is supposed to be uh, a, a Japanese it uh, is a Japanese character, and so they they whitewashed it. They they put Scarlett Johansson from the studio's perspective. They were like, we want Scarlett Johansson because she's a big star, and people will go see Ghost in the Shell because we want she's, our movie to do well. she's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what the studio thinks. Fans of Ghost in the Shell are like, I want to go see this movie because I'm a fan of Ghost in the Shell. She's not cast correctly. You, <laughs> I don't want to support this movie. And then there's people who are just like, oh, that looks sci-fi. I'll go fi- see yeah, it. And they don't care who's sure? in it. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's, I, I don't know if it's the right thing to say. If it's like chicken and the egg. Uh, but I will say, like, you know, I'm a fan of Ghost in the Shell. I think that was inappropriate casting and the movie didn't do very well. So there you go. I don't know. But... I you can't necessarily I get what you're saying, Lucian. You the the difference between that studio making those decisions is very different from Critical Role, where it is just the the product is me watching those people that I like to play games. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I and I'm saying it's not you the can't game necessarily itself. It's not like, transport. Yeah. Let's let's get a whole new cast. That. And so yeah. yeah. I don't so know. that's where I thought. And I thought, you know, I think, like you said, it's good if somebody brings it up and it's good if people talk about it. And we're um, having the discussion. You know, I don't want to send point. any hate to the to the author of the article. Oh, no, I would absolutely love to not. talk to the person for sure. But it was just like, in my mind as I was reading it, that's kind of where my brain was going. But there's around, a reason so. this article went around Twitter, the cesspool that's oh, yeah. Twitter. Uh, yeah. and, and there's a reason that everyone has strong opinions about it and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. uh, so I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was worth bringing up. I hadn't read the article until this morning. Uh, you dropped mm. it in our notes and I was like, Oh, I've got thoughts. <laughs> I've got thoughts. I've got so. thoughts. Well, and it's been recurring. I have seen other people talk about too much colonialism in TTRPGs in general. So it's not like it was a new topic either in that regard. I just thought that this one had crossed with something popular. And so, you know, it just was on my mind. and was the yeah. thing that people were talking about. So we would, we would at least look at it. But you have your own opinions. Everybody has them, and you can go check it out and, you know, think on what you do. Um, yeah. Um, well, moving on, I think, I think I'm running a new game soon. March. I've heard this. Um, my We didn't really get to talk about this before, but, like, my players, we, we all put out... Um, me and DM Nathan uh, put DM Nathan. two campaigns together, and then our our players were going to vote on the top two that they wanted to play. And the idea was that I was probably going to get a top one, and they and he was going to probably get a top one, and we'd like we we'd play. I'd run one, and he'd run one, so we mm-hmm. both get to play, kind of a thing. So I put together that Drow game that I've been talking about for so long. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about this a couple of weeks ago where I like, and I, and I titled the video, like, how do you pitch a game correctly? Because mm-hmm. that was the game I was the most excited for. Like, I'm like all drow and I have all of these really cool things and I was building it up in my head. And I, I, I wrote a whole like page article and things like this about like what we're going to do. Um, and then I was like, well, I should probably have another option. I also kind of want to run this Eberron game. So I kind of haphazardly mm-hmm. like, yeah, like Eberron's cool. I really like it. And I was researching it and I like it. So I started throwing together this Eberron stuff. Um, we pitched it to our players. They voted on it. Uh, the drow game got zero votes. Like nothing. And I was I was heartbroken. I'm just like, but that was the one I was the most excited. Did I not pitch this correctly? Like what's happening? So... Yeah. I, th- I haven't talked to them yet because we've all been busy and I haven't actually seen my players in several months because I've been busy. Um, but uh, when we do talk, I want to talk to them about this. Um, but I was wondering if it was the restrictions that I put on, like where all of a sudden I'm like, well, you all have to be drow. And then they were like, oh, well, I don't I don't like that. Like, I don't want to play. But in my mind, I'm like, but that's the coolest thing. Like, we're, we're all drow. How cool is that? So mm-hmm. uh, the... 
Eberron game just like barely got in there, but uh, Nathan's going to run a black company style game where we're like all hired by some company and we have to like go around and do stuff. So yeah. And that's the one I voted for too. Cause I was like, Oh, that's cool. But uh, we got to vote twice. And so I was thinking the other one would get, but he got zero votes. Um, so Eberron, we're going to run some Eberron. Uh, I've been like brushing up on my Eberron and doing a lot of like lore and stuff. I've been reading an Eberron novel by Keith Baker. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and here's what you did wrong. Okay, go ahead. You have the perfect game you could have pitched to them. Okay. And it's called The Cliff. Oh, yeah. There you go. I thought you were doing that. You've been working on it. (laughs) And you didn't do it. (laughs) No, uh, I thought it was interesting. We had talked a little bit about this before. And I think DMs out here, it's a lesson learned. I think sometimes... There's an idea that we get as DMs that sounds like the coolest thing ever. And you want to put a lot of creative energy in it and you think about it and you're you're imagining how certain things are going to go and like certain things you can do. And then you realize your players have almost zero interest for whatever reason. Maybe they're just thinking of other characters they were hoping to play soon or maybe some other influence has them like, oh, okay, but we kind of wanted to do this Indiana Jones story. Or, oh, we thought we were going to be pirates, and we were really hoping to do pirate stuff or whatever. We are hoping you'd tell, you know. Sometimes you don't hit the group at the right time or even the right group. It could might not even be the right group that's, here's this idea. And so now... I think that's it for me. It's not the right group. It's like, yeah. oh, no. They don't, they don't love my idea. This is But I thought it was the right ever. group because many of them have read the R.A. Salvatore Drift's books. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they know that world. So I thought it would be really cool to be like, well, you know how the Underdark matriarchy works. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if you were part of that and you have to, like, you know, not lie and cheat, but, like, you have to work your way up through the ranks through deception and all this other stuff. Uh, so I still have all the material. I will run that game because I've been thinking about it for so long. Yeah. But I well, agree. I think be. it's the wrong group. And I also think that this group of players I have, we have a habit of someone's like, well, I want to run this game. And then we go home and we build some character and then we show up and then the DM's like, uh, okay, I guess we'll fit it in here. And he's like puzzle piecing these characters. And what yeah. I was requesting was that nobody have any preconceived notions of what they want to play. Let's come to the table and build the group and relationships so that within mm-hmm. Drow society, you all know each other and, like, you can work together. Uh, and I think that was another thing where they're like, but I just want to show up with the artificer that I built. And it's like, right. well, yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily going to work. So. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that might be, and this would have been something like, when you had pitched it to me the very first time, and you were just starting to talk about it, in my mind, we had already started talking about, isn't it cool when you put limitations on things and yeah. then allow your creativity? So when you come at it from that end, you're like, okay, what's my what's my limitation? Okay, we're going to play Drow. Yeah. We're going to be in the Underdark. Okay, so here's what I'm going to... Now let me start thinking about what would be cool. What would I want to do with that limita- yeah. limitation? But if I've already been thinking about because I didn't that know artificer that you wanted to play My next for years. character, yeah. which has nothing to do yeah. with what your campaign setting is about. All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, well, shoot! I showed up with my Warforged. Yeah. How's that going to work?" You exactly. Know? I was like, "Oh, okay." The, here's one other thing, though. That if you would have pitched, yeah, if you would have pitched to me, one thing you just said kind of turned me off okay. by what you said, though. You said, "Isn't it going to be cool to play in the Drow Matriarch Society?" where you have to lie and sneak and deceive your way to move up. And I immediately thought, no, Jordan, I want to be a hero. Now, could I try to be a hero within that system? Maybe my mind starts going that direction. But I also might just start thinking, no, I don't I don't want to be a part of an evil empire yeah. or play in a game yeah. where I'm not really a hero. I want to be I want to be a cool Hercules. No, be... and that's 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 a good point. Um, and something that yeah. I thought of. And in my pitch, I said, this isn't an evil game because I don't want to gotcha. have it be an evil game. Um, but you are in an oppressive society. And so you have to make the choice. Are you going to succeed by uh, 
going with the society and kind of like leveling up within a house, or are you going to go against the grain and stand out in a different way? I.e., like, are you going to play along or are you going to be like Drist? Like, Drist is really powerful. He's a super awesome hero, but like, he is a villain to Drow society. And so I was giving them that option. Um, and in my mind, when I was crafting the actual campaign, I was like, okay, we're going to have a turning point where they have to make a decision. And mm -hmm. my hope, like, you never know what players are going to do, but my hope is, is that they would say for, like, we can either protect Drow society or we can save the world. And if we don't save the world, Drow society is probably going to fall apart. And so I wanted them to have that moment of, like, maybe the world is bigger than just Menzo Berenzin kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're absolutely right. And But I also found these really cool fourth edition mechanic cards that um, you can, uh, you pull from this deck randomly. Um, but they're, uh, what are they called? Like trader cards or something. And so you get a special action for that night of D and D. And it's usually, uh, as an action, you can like do whatever is on this card and it's during combat. And what it does is it is always beneficial to you, but it might be detrimental to one of your, uh, companions. And that's the drow treachery kind of mechanic in play where you are like, okay, I want to, like, I'm going to attack the guy. And you're like, actually, I'm going to play this card that says uh, you miss, but it, and you get hurt. Maybe you take like X amount of damage, but it sets me up to have advantage on the next attack or something. Um, hmm. And I thought that would be really cool too, because then you kind of have that like, well, within drow society, you, I can see why you did that. But, like, now I have something against you. But that might have also blown up my, my face. Who knows? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you're thinking that through, I'm thinking, okay. So, uh -huh. But who knows? But you're right. Limitations are some people like them, some people don't. Uh, I have another friend who is running an all-bard game where all mm -hmm. of her players are bards. And so when I told her about the all-drow game, she's yeah, like, oh, I'm, I'm already doing that. We're all bards. We have different subclasses. It's so much fun. Like, but yeah. it, like, we're literally a troupe of like traveling musicians. And I was like, that's so cool, you know? But in my mind, I'm like, I want to play that because I think that's really cool. <laughs> Somebody else is just like, but I wanted to be a fighter. So, yeah. Then you're a, there is a bard fighter. It's called, uh, I forget what, which one it is. There's a good bard fighter. Actually. Well, no. And it's the same thing. Like if you're all the clerics subclass. with There's different subclasses, subclasses you could have a full yeah, yeah. party if you do that. I, right? I, we've so. often talked about a full cleric campaign where it's. Your, you have been sent by your church or your God to help, and you have been commanded to work together with these other priests or clerics or whatever they call themselves. And so you have to work with them. Even if you get there and you're like, oh, my God, Levi you know, Leviatar's here. Oh, my God, I'm yeah. out. And you're like, yeah. nope, <laughs> shoot. My church told me I got to be here. God, yeah. you know, my goddess told me I need to be here. I have to work with that person. Dang it. <laughs> I thought that'd be a cool, interesting way to, to play a game. But I think limitations are fun. It's like you said, how you pitch it. Maybe maybe the draw one would have been great if you'd have pitched it as you guys are going to be Robin Hood or you guys are going to be, you know, um, the the um, kind of like the hackers of the system. You're the, you know, you're, you're the anti-society. You're the, yeah. the underground movement. Maybe they would have. Maybe that's a game they would be like. Oh, okay, that'd be cool if we played like an underground yeah. movement game. Or no, something. and I I think also uh, like Nathan has been running games this whole time, so I think he's been able to verbally answer questions about his Black Company game. Yeah. So I think that's another reason that it like soared way to the top is I haven't been there to be like, actually, guys, this will be really cool, and they can see how mm -hmm. excited I was about it, kind of a thing too. So there's yeah. lots of factors, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it should have been a cliff. You're right. Should have been a vertical hex crawl. Man, if you just set it up, you just ex just give them the opening scene and let them go from there. Oh, they they would have voted for that game. Probably. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I've been going through some of my third party books because whenever I start a campaign, if I'm mm -hmm. not running the actual like campaign, I'm always like, well, what third party books do I want to incorporate into this game? monster um, books and monsters are a given so i didn't include a lot of monster books and i want to actually you brought up a good point i know for a fact that well we all know this but mcdm's coming out with a monster book oh yeah kobold press is 
just finishing the funding for their latest Tome of Beast 3 book. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so many monsters. And uh, I know that Goodman Games is coming out with a 5e uh, monster book. Mm-hmm. That's so many monsters. Like, are we, what, ah, like, I'm like, I, I just feel overwhelmed with monsters sometimes that we mm-hmm. have way too many. But um, I also put a lot of funny hats on the monsters that we already have. So in my mind, I'm like, we have exponential amounts of, of creativity. Infinite, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, but, it's yeah. just crazy. <laughs> um, so these are non-monster books, because monster books are kind of a given. But this one is a Christmas present I got from hmm. Nathan and it's called The Game Master's Book of Non-Player Characters. And I didn't really know, like, what to think about this book until, because um, I was like, oh, I don't know. But I don't know if you know me, I'm really bad at coming up with NPCs on the fly. Uh, I'm really bad. I'm just like, I don't know, like, a cup over there is John walking Smith. in. Smith. Um, but this is a great book. It's got pictures and stat mm-hmm. blocks, which you can take or leave the stat blocks. But looking at this already, like this is Lady Corilla, and I could put her anywhere in Eberron. Um, and so I was having a good time flipping through this. And I think this is before play. I'm like, oh, you know what? I really need like a cool bartender. And then you find one in here. Um, and I don't know if I would be able to flip through this on the fly to find one. But I really am finding this book to be really, really cool. And then uh, also the Random Encounters book, which by the same people. This is just a bunch of Random Encounters. So for all of the in-between parts, it's like, okay, you're traveling on this road. Well, here's an encounter we could have on the road. Or here's an encounter we could have in the tavern that may or may not relate to the whole story. But sometimes those are fun to have. Mm-hmm. And then I want... Now, are you following a module in this this game you're talking no. about doing? Oh, no. okay. I'm going to try to come up with it. I have an idea of what I want to do, but yeah, I don't have a module. So, And then I'm going to incorporate the Exploring Eberron by Keith Baker because this has a whole bunch of extra information and some really cool uh, stuff for like, there's a druid subclass that's specifically for Warforged where your animal shapes are metallic, which I thought was oh, really cool. Nice. So, like that. Um, or use his website because he he often puts yeah. up lots of blog posts and lots of articles there too for more stuff on Eberron. One of the really cool things about Eberron is the dragons are like super powerful and crazy. And I know we just got Fizzbins, but I've been enjoying this book more than Fizzbins. And this book also has really unique dragons in it that I think I could use as like uh, maybe a, a party patron. Like, the dragon is, like, manipulating them in some way to go run on, on quests or something. So this is from, mm-hmm. uh, not sponsored, Jetpack 7, um, a really cool book. I like that company. I've got and their then, Gods and Goddesses book, yeah. which is really good. And then last but not least, this is for Lucian, because I can't run an Eberron game without Arcana of the Ancients by Monty Cook <laughs> yeah. Games. Um, this is a bunch of really cool sci-fi kind of magic items and, and things like that. How to incorporate Numenera into your 5e game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, Eberron fits that more than any other setting that I can think of. Yeah. You know, published setting kind of a thing. So, um, And I haven't been able to use, really, uh, the last three books specifically, I haven't been able to use them in a game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to also run that. So. So, I just wanted okay. to, I was going, I've been reading a lot because I haven't been running games. I've been reading a lot of these books and I wanted to show them off. So that was why. <laughs> nice flex. Good job. Thank you. you They're it. all really good books. <laughs> you should buy them. Uh, we haven't heard, what was Nathan's other game that he pitched? Oh, Lord of the Rings. Oh. So he wanted to do a one ring game. Um, and actually what one is different system or still, Dungeons no, there's a five E there's a five E uh, it's, it's, he has the original five E uh, one ring that came out before the, uh, there was a lawsuit and they lost the rights to it. I forget the name of the company. Um, uh. but so you can't buy the PDF anymore. You can't find it in print anymore. It's not, it's, it's a product that, isn't allowed to be anymore um but he has that uh book in pdf and so he was going to use that one ring system and we were going to play a 5e game um using that some some somewhere in lord of the rings so and it actually was black company lord of the rings eberron tied 
and then Drow got zero votes. <laughs> so there you go. You could have won with the cliff, I'm telling you. Maybe. Maybe, um, maybe I'll incorporate well, the cliff into Eberron. So. <laughs> here was my talking point that I thought. I want to mark today, today's show, 2-12-2022, my prediction. This is, we've hit. That's a lot of twos in today's date. We've hit the peak of Dungeons & Dragons, and now it's going to slowly start to fizzle out. Could be quickly, but it in popularity i think we've hit peak and we're no longer at peak hypeness of dungeons and dragons it's my prediction january and february we've had almost hardly anything from wizards of the coast talking about their new products that are coming out there's been all kinds of videos like they've been talking about all the of critical Marquette. role stuff yeah that's their yeah. new book right but it's not <laughs> That that's, is the book that they are working that's on. That's promoting critical role. That's that is, yeah, but that is Dungeons not an extra book in like the year. That is the yeah. book that they are working on. You could say that, but what I'm saying is, is that it's this is where we decide. Just like if you go back to 3.5 and you try to pick a date, when did bloat start, or when did the the yeah. popularity of three begin to ebb? Because at some point it went, it was popular, and then it didn't, wasn't popular anymore. And people moved on, right? And so they started moving to Pathfinder. They started moving to other systems. It wasn't as popular. I'm saying I think that we've just hit where 5e has met its highest popularity it'll be. And even more books that we get right now, I think there's people that want certain ones, but not everybody's excited about every single book that's coming out. I think it'll just be groups of people that like certain books. And I think we'll start to see a lot more people talking about now we have too many books, there's too many rules, there's too many, you know, we've hit the bloat, now they're just money grabbing, and they won't be excited again until like a sixth edition actually starts gaining, you know, traction, or they start advertising that it's happening, or they start building that product up to be its own life cycle of popularity, and then back back yeah. to whatever. No, and I, so I, I, I think you're right, because with uh, the Morden Kanan uh book that's coming out um or that is out in the in the whatever set uh that really is them consolidating past books and i think whenever mm-hmm. you see that where they're like yeah we're gonna do like the like whenever a band is like yeah we're doing the best of album you're like no, you're not really coming out with lots of okay like you're on the tail end of your tour um yeah. i so yeah i think you're right in a way but uh we're also just from having what like eight plus years, nine yeah. years. Well, and it has to happen um, somewhere. It's not, I'm not like, it's not a, a, a well, bad thing. No, it's no. A the thing point I was going to say is like, yeah. just because we have nine years worth of stuff, that means yeah. that I think you're going to see a lot more campaigns say, I don't want this in my game. I do want this. So like, I'm going to run Ravenloft, oh, but I, I don't want to use Eberron stuff in my Ravenloft game, or I'm going to run yeah. this. Uh, I'm going to run an all bard game. Like you're going to see more stuff like that. I think just because uh, people know about D and D now more than ever. So it's not like showing up and you're like, I don't know what to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. You're throwing 15 different books at me when really you should just be putting the player's handbook at me. So yeah. Yeah. And another piece of my evidence, <clears throat> Jordan used to play two or three games a week of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Jordan has told me in the last couple of weeks he's played no Dungeons and Dragons. Correct. So to me, we've always been on the pulse. You we've don't think that's because I have a two year old that demands attention, but maybe. <laughs> and but back I when I was childless and able to <laughs> yeah. play three games a week. I still think I, I think uh I think the popularity has started to come down. I think getting players again to commit as much as they were a year ago or two years ago. Yeah. And we could say maybe COVID has part of that. Maybe our lives have changed, but that's, that happens. Anywhere, I think my right? life that's, has changed. That's I, I still want to play a lot of D and D. Yeah. And are you I, ready to play three campaigns uh, uh, like you were a week? Uh, well, I physically can't. I would, if I could, but if you could, Oh yeah, I think I would. Like you I would, would love, I would love to run one game and play in another. That's, that's my ideal setting. Um, Three games might be a bit much. I don't know. Just because I would have other responsibilities. But, like, uh, you have no idea how tired I am by the time I put my son to bed. Oh, I do. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's all I can do to, like, play uh, 20 minutes of Switch and then I fall asleep. So, 
Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, and I genuinely have really missed Dungeons and Dragons. Like I've been trying out other systems and you know, I've been running Dungeon Crawl Classics and stuff, but like, mm. uh, I actually am as much as I, I really want to play at the table. Cause I like playing at the table more than I like playing online. Uh, but I recently got into a discord where the whole goal of the discord is to, uh, if you have a game you want to play, specifically one shots you put it on the calendar and people can just sign up if nobody signs up you don't do it but if enough people do so it's it's on the dungeon master to be like this is when i'm free and then the players are like make it work so if you want to you know and i really like that concept and i've been wanting to do more uh one shots there to try out different mechanics and stuff and i'm actually joining a uh D and D game that Lex is running next <gasps> Saturday. What? So, there you go. Why would Lex not run his own system? Uh, he is. He also is writing stuff for D and D, and he wanted to try out some new stuff that he's doing. But it's going to be like a awesome pseudo game. long game. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Oh, you mean a camp? You're not talking about a one shot. You're no, no. It's a campaign. campaign. Game. Yeah, we're going to oh, play a campaign. Okay. Right. Uh, twice a month. We're going to meet on Saturdays. So we were supposed nice. to meet today, but I couldn't make it work. So <laughs> so now nice. it's next week. <laughs> Azag. But no, I am that friend. No, Azag's pretty cool. I, I did the playtest for Azag, but I haven't ran it since. But it's fun. So that's my everybody else can put their predictions in. I could be completely wrong. We could have already passed the peak. Maybe the peak is still coming. Maybe there's even more hype that we can go in Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast can go higher and higher, but uh, I thought that was going to be my talking point. Because you played Magic the Gathering. I did play Magic so the I Gathering. I figured I had to dig at that a little bit. Yeah, my my, uh, my friend called me and was like, we're going to have a Magic tournament. And I said, okay. And so <laughs> I showed up and we did a draft and we and I played. I, I won one game and I lost one. Uh, it was fun. So. How were the, you said they were playing in the Innistrad. How were the cards? How were the mechanics? I haven't seen it's that magic. deck system. I like that um, Forgotten Realms system. There's, really a, cool. there's a night-day system for werewolves. So uh-huh. uh, if you play a certain amount of cards, it flips over to night, and then all of your like humans that turn into werewolves are stronger. Oh, that's um, cool. And there's a vampire blood token mechanic. So certain creatures generate blood tokens, and then certain creatures can consume those to have extra abilities. How uh, do the colors of magic kind of fit into all that? Uh, paladins and priests are white, I guess. I don't know much about magic to really answer your question. Like, oh, like I, well, vampires I are sure red if... and black, and werewolves are green and black, and... Yeah, because I was thinking if it was like an undead one, everything would be the black. Undead <laughs> are usually black and blue. But that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Lovecraftian horrors are blue. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Um, cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, run games in Endegar. Uh, that's right. I do need to run an Endegar setting. Um, but I've pitched that in the past to these same people, and they weren't like super interested. So I think Endegar will be... Um, maybe an OSR kind of thing, and I'll actually run like old school essentials or something else, and kind of play around with Endegar that way. Um, but my problem is, is I need another consistent group of people, and my DCC group was going to be my consistent group of people, but we have not met since December um, because everybody has lives and they they want to do other things, and so it's hard to get people to show up. So. I actually might be playing Gloomhaven again more than D&D lately because I can at least get like two people to come over and play Gloomhaven. So, but getting six people to come over and play D&D is getting hard. So it's crazy. What, where are you going to take your Eberron game? What are you going to do in the Eberron game? What's the whole, I, do you want me to spoil everything? Like, I don't know. Do they watch the show? Uh, <laughs> Nathan watches the show. Oh. Um, so well, what's been... the theme? What's the what's the premise? What's the starting point? Oh, well, we're going to figure that out with the players as well. Um, so if everybody wants to be changelings or if, ever, you know, like I need to figure out what they're going to play. Um, okay. So the idea is that I have, a, I have an idea of where I want to go, 
but I wanted them to uh, really tie in their backstories to it. So um, eventually uh, a series of events is going to lead them to the Mornland and they're going to have to go in and, and, and experience the Mornland and figure out what's going on there. So those series of events, I'm not entirely sure what they are yet because mm-hmm. I wanted them to be like, well, my character is a human knight from this province that is uh, lost their brother in the Mornland or something. Okay, cool. I can use that to go there. Or if they all want to be like savages on the outer outer areas, uh, maybe they want to be like um, uh, orcs and goblins from Droem or something like that on the, on the far side. Well, they're going to have a very different reason to try to get towards the Mornland and things like that. Uh, shifters and stuff, people that live like outside of cities. Um, but I have a starting point in Sharn, which is a great place to start city or start. It's a, the city of towers. It's the biggest city in Eberron. It's the most detailed city in Eberron. You could have it a whole campaign there if you want. Um, and then I have, uh, some other like little, little spots around, but I specifically in exploring Eberron, there is a section on, uh, symbiotes, like uh, magic items that are actually like grafted onto you. And so mm-hmm. you could have like um, a tentacle arm or something like that. And I liked that idea. And so I kind of wanted to play around with that idea. And it also corresponds to the Keith Baker book that I'm reading of like, what if, what if people are trying to amass power by grafting certain monster abilities onto their bodies or something? Um, and then is that technology coming from what happened in the Mornland? Because people walk out of the Mornland and they've got like all kinds of crazy deformities or um, like, I don't know, their leg is now crystal for the rest of their life. And they just have a crystal mm-hmm. leg that is doesn't move and they have to drag it along with them kind of a thing. Uh, the Mornland did a lot of weird magical things. And so I wanted to tie this uh, grafting mechanism into maybe that's what the new experimental Warforge stuff was going to be is hybrid monster human soldiers or something. So, uh, but really it, it depends on where my players are going to uh, or what characters they're going to pick. Cause I'm tired of like throwing a campaign at a player and they're kind of like, okay, I guess we'll go over here. I really want them to be invested and especially for Eberron, I think it works well if they're invested to know that, like, I lost my my sibling in the war or to know that, um, you know, this this other house destroyed everything that I hold dear. The war's over, but you can't really bury the hatchet that quickly, you know, so. Mm-hmm. How much do you think they know about Eberron? Um, nothing. I think... I think Nathan would know the most and that would be just passing. So mm-hmm. interesting. interesting. So it's a way for me to, to uh, really, I can utilize anything I want, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they know most mo- much about Eberron except for, um, except for the artificer. Like, Oh, that's from the Eberron book and Warforged and stuff like that. So. And so, are they going to develop their characters at home? Or I want to have, have a session a whole zero session where it's just nobody yeah. has a character at all. We're all coming. We've been calling them session zero slash one, where we get together. We're gonna build the characters, and then we're gonna have a quick fight to kind of see like, do you like this? Is it working out? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the plan. Yeah, is to do that. And I was gonna give everybody a free feat at level one. And then we'll start the campaign at level four. So, and can they bring in anything? Is it Eberron only? It is. My rule is the rule that Keith Baker has, and that um, Wizards of the Coast has as a whole, where anything in D anD D fits in Eberron, but we have to find out how. It might not fit the same way that you normally would expect. So, I was encouraging everyone to play. Uh, you know, like choose a, an Eberron race kind of a thing. Um, but at the same time, if you want to be a Dragonborn, you can. If you want to be a Tiefling, you can. You might be the only Tiefling, 
And why are you a tiefling is going to be a very big question that you have to answer. And where you came from, and are you a magical experiment? Did the Mornland do do this to you? Um, like, there's, I mean, did a did were you polymorphed into something? Mom like, met a demon. Know? Yeah, exactly. Are you from <laughs> the? Are you from Kyber, the realm below of demons and monsters? Uh, and you escaped there, and now you want sanctuary. Like, there's a lot of ways to make it work. Uh, but that was what's that's something I stressed really hard. Is like. Just because you, like, don't pick Dragonborn because you want the stats. And I think um, choosing your lineage has curved that with this group a lot. Because now that they're like, oh, I can I can be a dwarf, but I can take my plus two con and put it in intelligence. Cool. Like, you know, because I, I think before they were always chasing stats. And now they don't have to do that. So I think the sell on that will be a lot easier. Because I'm like, yeah, if you want to be, like, I don't know. Like, do you want to be a dra- you want What do you want from being a dragonborn? Well, I really want to spit acid. Okay, well then let's figure out how you can spit acid and not be a dragonborn, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Very but if cool. they really want to be a half-dragon kind of dragonborn thing, we can make it work. So that's the goal, is, is you can play whatever you want. We just need to make it work somehow. Loxodon. Yeah, there you go. That's... That's a stretch, centaur. but I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, centaur. We'll figure it out. So I don't know. <laughs> Guns and and all that stuff's in there, right? In Eberron, I always think of Eberron as being a kind of a high tech kind of thing. It's a high tech thing. There's not gun rules specifically, but uh, you could definitely use guns. Um, what you would think the equivalent of guns are would probably be a uh, force magic projectile from a wand. And so non-magical creatures can pick up that wand and go like pew, 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 you know. Um, but it's just like a force magic that hits oh, you they don't have guns. I would have thought it had gunpowder. Maybe they it's, don't. It's, it's, there's never been a reason to create gunpowder when you have magic. Got if it. magic does the equivalent of what you're trying to do, there's really no reason of having it. So there's trains, but they're not coal steam locomotives. They're magical trains that ride on top of bound elementals into the tracks. And those elemental energy makes the tracks, makes the train. Then I want, yeah, I want a contraption that looks like a gun, but basically it's a bound elemental inside it. That's cool. Let's do it. And then all (laughs) of a sudden you're shooting like burning hands out of a gun. Yeah. Like, like that's what it is. It's, it's the idea that, and that's what I think makes Eberron so cool I've been listening to the Manifest Zone podcast about Eberron, which is Keith Baker's podcast on his setting. And um, it's that idea of, like, what if magic was thought of as – or treated as a science? And mm-hmm. in the world of D&D, like, I can cast Fireball, and the idea of science is, like, well, that's a very consistent, reprodu- reproducible effect. If I do the exact same hand motions, I'll get the exact same Fireball. And so they're like, well, why wouldn't that be treated like a science? So all of a sudden you have like, if I can consistently make this wand and bind this elemental into this, you know, gun, then why wouldn't I do that and do that a whole bunch of times and giving it, give it to all of my friends so that we have really cool guns when we go and assault, blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's cool. It's really interesting, which is why I think this is going to come in really well. Because there are, like, firearms and stuff in there that I can utilize. But it's treated like magic. It's not treated like um, black powder. So, Well, we know it's magical, and we know Jordan likes it because he let us go three minutes over our normal time, and he never does that on no. the show. So he must like Let's this Let's get topic. out of here. What are we doing? He loves this topic. <laughs> you didn't even get to talk about yeah. um, your game, so I apologize. Well, because I think it'll be more interesting to talk about next week after we see what happens this coming up week. But... Um... There, the PvP matches is getting scheduled, I believe. So there, I might have a lot to talk about. In hey, we participated in two groups trying to kill each other. How did this change the dynamic of Dungeons and Dragons? Which I think would be an interesting um, discussion. You know, because D and D is a cooperative game. Ninety eight percent of the time you know it's rarely are you trying to the other two percent of the time you're lucian there may be people that do that (laughs) you know there i'm I'm just saying there may be groups out there that do that maybe there are groups that steal from each other and and hurt each other but 
I would say the majority of what you find is there. It's a cooperative game. Yeah. So now to turn it into a competitive PvP game, <laughs> what does that bring out? <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we leave, I do want to say um, thank you to uh, uh, Mayo Peach, Army. who. Uh, he said Record of Lotus War is based on the author's D&D campaign. So that's really fun. Um, oh, and it's on Funmation. Cool. So it's probably still out there and I just need to find it. Uh, but he donated $5 to the chat. So thank you so much. Or $5 nice. from chat. Um, we will be back next week and we'll hear more about Lucian's crazy PvP game and evolving magic items and whatever other crazy stuff's going on in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And uh, maybe we'll actually have some news to talk about. We'll see. So. Maybe it was it was an all drow level we were on next next week. Next week. Next week. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and watching and subscribing and telling your friends about the show. It's the best way to help it grow. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care.